All right, so we, uh, <clears throat> Steve, you ready to go off and running? What do you want to open this with? I think that's a good one right there. Damn, Don, fuck's wrong with you, man? Shit be happening out here, man. Niggas don't be realizing this shit, man. But yo, man, tell them what you be seeing out your window. Yo, I be seeing out my window gunshots every day, man. Man, yo, I see sex, money, and drugs. Buying paper towels? Tell them how Duke said. The world's about to end, about to end, about to end. World is about to end. Coming to you live from the epicenter of COVID nineteen. It's Chrome Bills one sixty seven. Special, special, long overdue guest on the show tonight, and dear friend of mine. Special and delivery. And DJ at my birthday party. The one and only. He goes by two names, but I'll refer to him as J Bomb Beat, aka the East Coast Kid. A.K.A. Jason. A.K.A. Jason. A.K.A. T.E.C.K. Welcome. 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 Thank you for having me. I appreciate you it. You don't say welcome on our show, Jason. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> he could see I needed help with the sound. Thanks for joining. <laughs> don't, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Production credits, including educated consumers, resonation, head resonators, old school vendetta, first name basis, Mars ill. What am I forgetting? Sector 7G. Yeah. Um, Carnage, Carnage the Executioner. Carnage the Executioner, good pull. Flex Matthews, I feel like. Uh, yeah, I guess we're still working on that, right, Flex? He's listening. I know he's listening. You uh, did some stuff for TK too, right? Oh yeah, there's TK, and I mean, way back to you know the DC guys. I don't even remember all those guys' names. Elemental. Oh yeah, I forgot uh, about the Elemental. Uh, Mister Forty. Mister Forty. Uh, <laughs> fun times. Mm-hmm. So what's going on, guys? Doing good. Actually, can I go all the way, all the way, all the way back? Because I want to get this story documented. And I remember it because, God, it must have been 2001. I interviewed you because I was writing a paper for school. And I said, when was what was the first real production credit? And you told me a story about two songs that you did in New York. I think Henley was involved. And you didn't get a formal production credit. Well, they never came out. Yeah, oh, well, they, never, they never came out. Uh, so when when Henrock moved up to New York, he would uh, he would help shop my beat tapes around, and it would help him kind of get in the door with some places. And he got into Aviate Records and talked to this dude, uh, and he played him some beats. And the guy was like, "Let's get him in the studio." And I remember it was, uh, you know, I'm just going to show just exactly how old I am. Wow. It was it was a Columbus Day weekend, 1998. And um, we drive up to talk to the dude, and dude, the, it was Friday of Columbus, Columbus Day weekend, and he was like, "I want to get in the studio tomorrow morning." So we, uh, you know, I was like, "Yeah, I'm down." So, but I like, I got to go back and get my equipment. So from New York, we drove back down. If you know Columbus Day weekend, everybody's leaving the city. Wow. It took like five hours to get back home. Um, with Ted and I, and then I loaded up my stuff, and like I did not have professional equipment then. I had like a Roland MS1 sampler, which looked like a VHS tape, you know, um, and an old computer running Cubasis, and we packed it all up and, <laughs> and headed you back to New York City. You brought the computer with you. Yeah, 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 and went up to New York City, and um, we get into the we get into the studio in Manhattan, and I'm there with the uh, um, with the engineer. Yeah. And it's Eli, 
It turns out it's oh, Eli really? oh, wow. from from Paid in Full, yeah. where you hear uh, Eric B. and Rakim, Rakim talking about, yeah, to turn the music up. Um, wow. So it was really cool. It was a great experience. So uh, the record never came out. It was being kind of put together by uh, the original Jazzy Jeff from the Funky Four Plus One More. And he uh, was doing, it was an old school, new school c- collaboration. And, you know, he's from Sugar Hill Gang Records time. To him, everything from Run DMC on was new school. Wow. So Run DMC was considered new school. Wow. Um, but in the studio, again, well, I, was, I probably was in this, I probably recorded like five different beats, but only I only got to hear two of the songs. They never got released. Um, like Curtis Blow was on one of my tracks. Uh, but... I mean, we were in there, and um, and DMC was on one of the tracks. Uh, so, but so one of the times I went in the studio, uh, CL Smooth was there when we got there. Um, one of the times as we were in there, like Flavor Flav came by, Cool Mo D came by, uh, the shit. Disco Four came by. Holy like it was shit. a yeah, it was a it was a weird time, and I was just like, this is crazy. <laughs> you and know, you, like, this wait, is so- crazy. This is pre-laptop, so you brought the thing up to play Cubase, and you brought like a a tube mod and the desktop computer on yeah, top yeah, of yeah. all these things. Yeah, I brought a desktop computer and the monitor, which you know is not a flat screen <laughs> monitor. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> monitor's probably as big as the computer, and um, you know the I mean the sampler was the smallest thing on it. You know, but uh, I had everything I saved. I sampled like as a MIDI transfer on floppy disks. So uh, it was a, I mean, it was a different time, man. It was a, it was a different, awesome time. This was. 90, These are the 90, floppy, 90. floppy, or the little like three. Yeah, inch the floppy, flat, the, the three. No, no, yeah, the, the okay. three and a half inch floppy. That's but, still crazy, though. I, I, I remember, I, as I'm I remember that right stack now, of discs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I use Cubase as a as a sequencing program for probably till like 2012. Like it's just I I I used that MS one and that MS one had you know was crazy it had really bad sound but people thought I was using an MPC because I learned how to sequence to make it sound like an MPC which is you know everybody that all the tracks that I loved were all made on MPC so um, you know people were crazed when they found out I wasn't using an MPC but then I got the MPC and I still just use Cubase because I loved uh, I loved the way I could sequence on it. And that was really up through 2012. So that's pretty much every artist that I listed at the beginning was all done on that equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Everything was done that way. Or at least sequenced that way. That's yep. crazy. Yep. Everything was sequenced that way. I mean, it was just as easy to me as, as knocking them out on the pads of the MPC. I'd have an MPC and, um, you know, I would use it for a sound, but yeah, for sequencing. I. Uh, was starting to use the MPC sequencer a little bit more around 2010 and 2011 and 2012, and then then I went to Machine in like 2012, and I, I loved the way that works. You got in early then, right? That's early. Yeah, I had a I had Machine One. Uh, I don't know how early early it was. I mean, it's just one of those things that I knew I wanted something different, yeah. um, and I knew that unfortunately Akai, even and up until more recently, like. Akai isn't good on the software side. They make great samplers, but yeah. they're just not good on the computer software side. Now it may be it may be different now with the three new ones that they've released. But yeah. like when the Renaissance came out, like uh, and the MPC Studio, like the sequencing software wasn't wasn't it wasn't there. getting good reviews. Right. It wasn't there. Right. And Machine was good with the sequencing. Now, I mean, it seems like a lot of people use Machine for non, you know, classic boom bop hip hop style, and it's there. You can do all these other crazy things. I see DJs using it like. 
you know, uh, dance DJs, EDM DJs using it in their live sets, and it's it's pretty crazy. But yeah, yeah. I mean, for boom bap, it's really good. The sounds are great. You can, you know, you can equalize how you want. You can have it slap. You can do whatever you want to do with it. Agreed. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm a and so, a you boom. didn't even leave with a a copy of these songs. I know they weren't released, but no. did you leave nope. with the no. tape? Nothing. No. Nothing. I got nothing. Oh shit. Yeah, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I mean, th- those things happen. It, it it taught me a lot. I mean, Jazzy Jeff uh, is, is a is a special guy. <laughs> He's a special guy, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he found me like uh, he found me probably like five or six years later as I was running the record store, and he called me at the record store. And he's like, "Yo." I got this new thing I want to work on. And I was like, dude, like what happened to the old thing? And he's like, yeah, 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 we're going to do that too. And I was like, all right, so do you want to pay me for that now? And I never heard from him again. As soon as you asked for money, that was it. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody's cool in- until they want to get paid, right? right? Yep. Seems that way. And this was when you were running the Joe's Record Paradise in Baltimore? Yes, sir. Yeah. Just that, God, that was the spot because Jason was living above the record store. Indeed. Yeah, it was awesome. 20, 2002 to 2006, yeah, it was just uh, was in Baltimore and had this record store living above it. Um, you can see the record store actually in a John Hughes movie. They were filming uh, Low Down Dirty Shame, like all around my neighborhood. Wow. Um, and at this point, you could see signs and you can see the store. But, um, you know, was living there, I was living above the record store. Uh, you know, had access to to get to the records at any time. If I'm upstairs making beats at two in the morning, I'm like, you know what? I want something different. Just go downstairs and go digging. Oh my god! It, it was, was huge. Crazy. It was a huge was store. Crazy. I mean, the store before before it was the this record store. Yeah. It was a landmark motorcycle store for a long time. So huh. it was on the corner and it had glass wheel glass windows like seven feet tall glass windows that went. Uh, from a side of the building and then wrapped around and then went the long ways down the main street as well. And, wow. uh, I mean, it was, it was just, it was an awesome time. Unfortunately, it was also the time that uh, people started to not buy vinyl. I mean, I can say when I opened it, it was, you know, every, the records used to be released on Tuesday. Every Tuesday when we first opened, there'd be like 10 or 15 dudes there, like for the new releases. And then by like three years, there might be like one, maybe one or two people coming for new releases. Um, New releases of what hip hop like hip-hop anything, just, or anything. just anything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. just like any. Wow. I mean, people just you know. I mean, there was that downturn of vinyl where mm-hmm. people just went away from it, and it, it's unfortunate. We had such a a large store at that time; it just didn't make sense to keep it open. Unfortunately, right now it would be doing well now, I believe. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. Now Joe's as a company, the one in Silver Spring, still open, right? Yeah, yeah. Joe's son Johnson is now running Joe's Record Paradise in Silver Spring. Um, you know, I'm sure you can find them on Instagram and other, Facebook and other places. It's a great store, fantastic store. I, I started working at Joe's and for Joe uh, in like 1996, 1995, 1996, and um, in the in the Goody Drive location. No, it was before that. It was in Aspen Hill. Um, it was oh. at the where the yeah 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 I know, yeah, I know what you're talking about. What what is there now? Coles, I think, is there now. But yeah. it used to be a Super Fresh and an A and P. So it was in there where the Arrows of Video Rental was. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Arrows VHS Rental was there. But um, yeah, I started working there, and I remember I had a I had a full time job. I started working. I was just digging every day after after work and stuff. And um, uh, Joe's was my favorite store. They <laughs> they they the stuff that I was looking for. Yeah. 
was so undervalued at that time at oh, that store. Oh, man. Um, and I could just go in there and buy so much stuff, and it was awesome. But, you know, the, I, I use that example. There'd be like there'd be like a David Axelrod record on the floor for a dollar because oh. to, to to Joe Lee and his thinking and his time. Again, yeah. this is pre internet and all that stuff. Yeah. That was just a record that was dumped by record labels and never sold when it came out. Right. You know, they were like immediately cut out kind of things. Um, so to him, it was trash. You know, the Heath Brothers uh, records. It was just kind of like, ah, that's that seventies jazz. Like nobody's looking for that. They don't want that. They want yeah. this rockabilly shit. They right. want. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, it was just so. I remember I was. My dad was in town at the time, and we went in there, and uh, I just happened to be asking, "Hey, are you guys hiring?" And I got a part-time job working there, and then the part-time job went to full-time, and then um, was working for a while. Moved to Goody Drive, and then uh, Joe wanted to open a store in Baltimore, and we found this location, and there was an apartment above it, and just made sense for me to go up there and run that store it was awesome crazy mm-hmm. so much recording happening in that store kind of I mean, so many beats dude i would like bring my mpc downstairs you know during the day like there would definitely be times i make like four or five beats a night like not even not even playing just be from playing records during the day and being like yep i'm gonna snatch that later tonight and then getting off work and going upstairs and snatching it wow you know, it was awesome. Can you? I mean, I remember I did uh, the, the in the pocket, the beat for in the pocket, and the beat for actors was definitely done like within an hour. Like those two beats were done within an hour on the same night. Ooh. Yeah. And I remember you had these CDs that I don't know if you would give them away when people bought more than a hundred bucks of records or sell them or a combination of both that were just like whatever you had found that week. And you had Xerox the little covers on them. It would just be like Joe's Classics Volume One, Two, Three. You remember this? Yeah, yeah. Joe's Record Paradise. Yep, Joe's Record oh, Paradise. Volume those one, were two, slamming. Three, four, five, six. Yeah, those were great. Mm-hmm. It's a good listen. I mean, for and for people that were digging, you know, it's a good opportunity to learn some new music, some interesting things. That's really what it's about, right? Just and that's different than the the mystery of ages. I'm actually this is all kind of bringing things back for me. Was that you were one of the it was by far the first person I heard that did it, but I had to imagine it was happening somewhere else was putting mixtapes out that were just groove records, you know, but with no track list. Like yeah, yeah, it would there just was definitely, be, yeah, other guys were definitely putting that out. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's, uh, I mean, and there's a lot of great guys were putting out. Fusion was putting it out, and um, Soul Man was putting them out, and Khan and Amir was, were putting them out, and... Yeah. Um, you know, there's, I'm sure there's so many others I can't even remember now, but yeah, there. I mean, those are... They were kind of like secret squirrel records. It's record, uh, tapes. Tapes yeah. you would hear samples or yeah. grooves or breaks that you never heard. And you would just be like, what is that? And then you'd play it for all your friends and be like, what is that? Does anybody know what this is? You know? Um, so, yeah. I mean, special, it's a, they were a lot of fun times. to do. Yeah, they were a lot of fun to do. And it's just now with the internet, I mean, it's just... <laughs> It's it's more difficult. It's that it's not the same. I mean, and I'll be the old man and like, be like, get off my lawn. It's definitely not the same. It doesn't mean it's not good. It's just not the same. Yeah. Well, what I find is funny is that who sampled right is probably the most prominent site for that. Where if you hear, uh, I don't know, you're listening to a Tribe Called Quest record and you're like, oh, where's the sample for a Ward Tour from? You just go yeah. on and and grab it. But I find that with some of the more obscure. Uh, like underground music that's coming out is not necessarily making it on there right away. So I was at a bar and I heard the sample for uh, it's the, the love song track. I think it's called train love on your old Droog. And I was like, Oh, that's the fucking sample. Like, what is this? And then I went to who sampled and like your old Droog is not really a 
a prominent artist on there the way that maybe like Pete Rock and CL Smooth is. And it took me back to how it was where you'd be like, well, what the fuck is that? Except even then, uh, I heard, I think the song is actually pretty current and popular. I heard it a week later and I was with my wife and I was like, yo, Shazam that shit. And then she's like, it's this. <laughs> so there's a lot, of, exactly. There's a lot of different ways to get it. But I mean, back then it was, unless somebody cleared it and you were going to go to the back of the record. Right. You know, right. that shit was yeah. just kind of floating out there on hearsay. I mean, that's, that's 100% true of the back at that time in the, the mid nineties. Oh, it, it was fun. It was, it was all about just looking at the back of the record and being yeah. like, who made the beat? What's the sample? And then, um, you know, I had uh, at Joe's in Silver Spring, a Asian customer came in. And he had this book. And I was like, what is this book? Well, you know, well, first and foremost, when I started working there, I created like a little bin of breaks and beats. And it was cool. Like, it was, you know, I, I didn't put everything in there, but I put cool things in there. And one Saturday, this guy came came up to me and he's like, yo, like, you know, that breaks and beats section you have? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you should add all of these. And it was like, you know, like two crates worth. And it turns out this guy was like a pretty, pretty decent record dealer. Wow. Uh, who really knew about breaks and beats? Oh. Uh, so that was one cool story. He taught me a lot of stuff. And then one day, an Asian customer was in, and he had this book. And I'm like, "What is this book?" And it was a again, this is pre-internet. It was a book of samples. So it was it was who sampled. It was it was thebreaks.com yeah, yeah. before any of that. It wow. was, uh, and he allowed me to go make co- a copy of it. So I paid him twenty bucks, and Ooh. I went to a, a copy place and copied it. And then I just literally from page one on. So I scored started going through and if i had something i'd highlight it and oh it was so awesome it was, again it was a, the 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 awesome experience of, of going out and digging and just yep. being like you know finding something that was so dope i remember like i i knew i was looking for uh, a born to be blue but i didn't know who did it and i just knew it was a sample that had been used and um i uh i'm at a record store another a store in wheaton phantasmagoria that's no longer there and they used to uh, do everything alphabetical. It wasn't by like uh, by genre. It was completely alphabetical, which is actually a cool thing. You it's know, a sometimes cool spot. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you're not really sure what you're looking for, and the alphabet helps. So I pick up this record, and you know, it's it's a Jack Bruce record. And I was like, oh, there's a Born to Be Blue on this. Let me check this out. It was like seven bucks. I was like, you know what? Like this looks cool. I'll check it out. Get home. There's so many samples on this record. It's like the the horns from wrong side of the track and it, it's like the 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 bucktown sample and then that cellar dweller sample and this showbiz and ag sample that's the one no it's um oh, that's a different one yeah that's uh it's um oh hold your head okay gotcha. the hold your head sample uh which i love so i mean in the, those the artifact sample starts the song but there's like a period of like six bars on the song where it's like jesus there's like 10 hip-hop huh? songs made from here but you know and that's just like how awesome that was it's, i don't i just do like chuck says like i hear something i'm like oh that that's really cool let me just look it up like you go on YouTube and look at the song, and someone's already listed the sample in the comment section. Anyways, do you know like right? You, <laughs> right. Uh-huh. you felt like so. that was, that was power. That not that knowledge was power. Oh, it definitely was, yeah. but it was fun. Like it was, yeah. it made it exciting. Yeah. This is NPR presents Chrome Bill's Tiny Desk episode so one. So when you sample Jack Bruce. What did you hear here? It made you want to loop it and make a hip-hop inspired beat. Well, my parents gave me the record. And... I always thought it was called Bucktown. (laughs) 
So I figured. <laughs> Let's buck them down. So you sample the records and then put hip-hop street lyrics on top? Fascinating. So I do want to I want to jump back in. We had a little glitch there. I want to jump back in. This is Chrome Bills episode 167 with the one and only J-Bomb beat. I want to talk about the fucking double-edged sword slash hypocriticalness that even exists within me, which is that if I hear a rap song and then I go back in time and hear the sample, it is the most amazing thing ever. If I already know the sample and then someone loops it up and I hear it, even if they're the first person doing the hip-hop song, I'm like, oh, oh, come on, man. Oh, come on. Like, why is that? Why is it's it's you would never feel that way if you watched a documentary about a movie. It wouldn't yeah. make you not want to watch the movie. Right. Granted, it might be more enjoyable after seeing the movie, but like <laughs> it wouldn't make you not want to watch it. Why is that? And I know we've all had that reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Definitely. I agree. I mean, if you know it already, the the thrill of it, the excitement of it. And sometimes also when you do find the sample, you don't know that you hear the song, you don't know the sample, you saw, you're digging and you find the sample. It makes you like that hip hop song even more. Hmm. Um, yeah absolutely if you find it yeah if you find it you're like you know you know this person put some real some some real work into this and especially if it's not the first three seconds of the song like not that there's anything wrong with taking a banging intro to a song but it's like when it's going on in the background and you're a minute into a song and it's just sort of in your subconscious and you hear it and you go oh wait motherfucker what is that yeah Uh uh-huh I mean, it, it, use that. And the great ones, I feel like the great ones didn't sample from the, didn't loop from the beginning of the song right away. Right. I mean, they might loop, you know, Juju might loop something up or Pete Rock will loop it. Premier will loop it up. But uh, once, once we got in that heyday of digging and sampling and everybody having a sampler and being able to chop it up, loops didn't really happen if you took the beginning of the record. Right. If you took something later on, you know, like, like Juju did for, for Ghostface One, you know, like that one, doom, mm. doom, and then that loop. I mean, it was a loop, but that's not the beginning of the song. It was right. like a bridge for the song. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you take something from the beginning of the song, you, at, at some point, you just like, yo, you got to chop it up. You think it's cheating a little bit? It's not cheating. It's just, you know, the, it's, uh, sometimes you just find a loop that's so incredibly great that you got to loop it up, and it's right at the beginning of the song. Sometimes. And that one's not even like a full, if you're going to use the one example, like uh, looping something on a one, two, three, four yeah. loop, one, wow. two, three, four loop. Like it's it's a little fraction. It's like segueing out of a bridge into her singing. Because even when you hear the song, she's like, one night, or whatever she says, right? I mean, it is on the one. The sample is on the one, but her singing comes in a little before the one, which is you know, the beat nuts also there's that interlude uh smoke on your finger interlude yeah, that's oh, it that's yeah. a good one right there and, and i mean that's another one that's like that's not right at the beginning of it they, yeah. they, they, they maybe start on the two or something it's awesome so good <laughs> sorry i'm kind of drunk for the fans out there i'm sorry I apologize. Mm-hmm. that's a great beat. i mean the beat nuts beats uh you, you know are phenomenal those those dudes knew how to make some beats and again they might be a uh, it it may be a record that uh isn't the hardest to find but they took something that's um that no one else did or it might be a record that's crazy hard to find so, yeah what i always yeah. loved about the beat nuts is how you could tell they had a sense of humor through their beats oh yeah and that was always did, not, not that was all important to me, you know. On the lyrics too, and on the lyrics, very true. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Like the samples and the, they just. I always like records with a sense of humor, you know. I agree. 
Yeah. Like 20 years ago when they were like, Corona killers. I mean, even when they're talking about <laughs> killing people, it's hilarious, you know? I was more thinking about the foreshadowing of the virus. Oh, Corona killers. I got you. No, I know. It's, it's yeah, Corona. There was definitely a place for it. I mean, again, because we were talking about, like, you know, the, the street lyrics and uh, hip-hop. I mean, there was, there was definitely a place for the jokes. Yeah. Yet on the West Coast, the alcoholics were kind of like the West Coast beat nuts and doing the mm. same. I mean, they were still street, but, you know, let's have some fun with this. Right. There's this song that's on Stone Crazy. I'm trying to remember. I think it's called, uh, well, the chorus goes, Beating Up Super Supreme Team from Queens. Uh, Grand Imperial is the name of it. And like it starts so rugged. And then there's a lyric where he's like, kid, he goes, kid coming out your speakers is that same kid that be like, coming in chicas. <laughs> and I'm like, obviously, you're not taking yourself that serious. And right. there's like squirt noises in the background and stuff. And it's like, all right. Yeah. I get what like this is just a fuck around thing. Like uh, the the real craftsmanship of this song obviously went into making this fire fucking beat that you're not in your head to, and now we're just gonna riff on it and have fun. Like how we're gonna hang out to this song. I always loved that. Like it was just popping. You know, we got this balloon, and you either gotta go like Big L on Stretch and Bobito style and have the dopest rhymes fucking ever to keep up with the beat, or be like, you know what, it's not that serious. Right, and that's it. It's just not that serious. You know. And it's but it's just dope. It's their personality. And I think that's even if the lyrics weren't the best, their personality came through. And that's fantastic. If you had to rate their production catalog by album, what would you say are like your top one or two? Um, I mean, I think Street Level and Stone Crazy and Intoxicated Demons. Probably. In okay. I mean, Intoxicated Demons was the EP, but it's just got some. I mean, it's got super fire, but they uh stone crazy is more sophisticated in, in the beats and street level it's just really at street level it's there's some really great joints on that street level the, uh, that was the one that got the most burned for me well actually stone crazy and street level got stone yeah, crazy i don't know if it's because i had it on Tons cd yeah it feels like sonically a little brighter mm. whereas like street level to me maybe i'm just associating it with how i had it it feels like it's got that tape like yeah. if i'll give you an example like if superman had been on stone crazy it would have sounded like 10 times brighter yeah just in the way it was mixed and mastered. that um that vinyl for street level is like notorious for being like super dull pressing well, like my pressing songs. what's that too many songs it's too long of an album it's a long album so like yeah. the 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 grooves the groove are, are mad thin small. and it just it's so quiet it's like three feet high and rising. The original one, one LP pressing of three feet high and rising is just one of the worst sound qualities ever. Wow. Common resurrection is that way too, where the whole thing is just one piece of vinyl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those have come out more recently as doubles to, to brighten them up, but huh. I don't know that there's good. I haven't checked them out. I'll be honest with you. Huh. Um, but the originals were, I mean, the originals were like that. They would, you know, once CDs came out, kind of, things kind of changed with like, instead of like our album's going to be 45 minutes and sound great. It was like, oh, we have 70 minutes to fill because let's put it in the, right you know, And we're, we're going to fill it all. And then the vinyl was kind of an afterthought, I guess. Huh. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting now. Cause I just think, very few people are making things to be listened to front to back. I'm just in particular talking about hip hop uh, in sort of the Spotify era. I think people are making things to have a couple bangers that can end up on a playlist or get licensed or whatever it is. Which have been like that for a, that's been a long, 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 long focus. I mean, actually, from the beginning of the record business, singles with the 45s back in the day, like it's uh, the record industry has been singles based for a long, 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 long. That's true. 
I'm not going to disagree. I think there was an era where people were using the single to allow their vision of the album to get legs. And now there's just, at least at that point, there were hardcore fans that still absorbed the album in a, I'm going to listen to this front to back format. Whereas I just can't even, I can't imagine like a Deltron 3030 type record coming out today and people even having the patience to be like, Oh, I listened to this all the way. Like, this is kind of crazy. This shit's uh, like a Broadway play. They're just in some other fucking galaxy. I just like, ah, I heard a couple things. It's okay. I was talking some weird shit. A, uh, a, uh, a battle rap blog re- just this week. Uh, one of the owners of a battle rap uh, company uh, kept bringing in this Jay Z line about, do you, you know, like, do you really love music? Do you just skip through the songs or do you really listen to it? Like, I know I'm not getting it right, but it was sure, something like that. Sure. And it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, it's really what it is. I mean, it's so easy to skip around now. I mean, with Spotify, with all the streaming devices, it's you, I'm sure with you guys too, I'll, I'll find something. I'll be like, Oh man, this is dope. I'll listen to it on the way home from work and I may never listen to it again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it's too easy. You know, everything really is at our fingertips. We have, we have these phones with us that, you remember I, I lugged New, when I went to New York, I lugged my computer up there. Like my phone is a thousand times more powerful than that computer was, hmm. you know, and it fits in my pocket. So it's just, a, it's, it's different, but um, I mean, the music business is funny. I, you know, I just got out of the uh, e-commerce side of the music business where new music, just re- physical copies of new music just isn't really selling digitally. Now, some vinyl will sell, but it's way high priced, and it's crazy to me that people are paying these crazy prices for it. But, um, you know, older older albums are still selling on on CD pretty well. Hmm. I mean, the cost of those have come down significantly. Albums that used to cost 10 or 12 or 14 bucks now cost 5 bucks. Um, but people are still buying it. You know, so the, the record business, as far as selling... Um, selling physical copies digitally that that part of the record business is done mm-hmm. but you know it's all in marketing anyways so yeah who would what would be the reason to buy i guess djs are the only people that have a reason to buy a digital version of an album because if you're going to play on serato you can't necessarily stream it if you're going to and i say djs i mean like the two of you guys were like if i'm going to from a DJ Chuck's popping ass 40th birthday party, I can't just play things on Spotify. I've got to be able to scratch them in and 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 do all that. So I need the full MP3. But then again, you're dealing with the same type of clientele that are going to be the first people to have a backdoor angle to getting an MP3 or a WAV file without going through Apple Music. Right, right, right. No, I mean, so yeah, there's really no one other than like a movie that's going to license it and be like, we should probably have the MP3 in the studio since we're making a blockbuster. Like that blockbuster movie Mo. Oh, that movie Mo. Oh my God! I don't know if you guys have ever heard the soundtrack of Mo, but <laughs> <laughs> this is an inside joke. No, so Chuck and I—I uh, I don't know, 15 years ago. I don't know how long it's the the kid uh, the kid that plays Dewey in Malcolm in the Middle was in a movie about a kid with like Marfan. Oh, this is King uh, like Pressure. That. No, uh, King. King Sweet. Huh? King Sweet. There we go. Yeah, King, King Sweet. Sweet. So, so we, we licensed the song to be in this this independent movie that in this movie has so many like, uh, 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 what is it called when the, uh, the music plays it from one scene to the other? And every time it happens, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, segues. I'm like, oh, here it comes. Here's going to be ours. And then ours comes on and it's, 
you can barely hear it and it's uh the main character watching a video show that's some videos that's not us for the record it's like a it's like a juvenile it's kind of fu- blurred out so you can't really see it but the one thing you do know because the mom comes in and talks to dewey about it is why she likes these black guys on tv and um it's hysterical because it's me and chuck and <laughs> they, why do you like king sweet <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um so yeah so it was also it also goes to show that even the people that license music don't really listen to lyrics because it was like this incredibly uh, over i don't want to say incredibly because it, it's like inflating myself it was just a, a very densely lyrical song okay that had sort of like a, a rhythm to it and like there wasn't not necessarily a hook as much as like a refrain that came back every four bars but it was presented in the movie like it was just a regular, like it was nothing but a G thing or something. Okay. You know, like it was just like this regular uh, gangster rap song. <laughs> it was it, not it at all that. Song. Like I don't know how it got to be our song. It could have been anything. It could have been mumbo jumbo. Like it, I don't understand why it was ours, but uh, it's hysterical. When it got picked, you know, not they don't tell you the context they're going to use it in the right. movie. And I'm sure right. if we were in a position to negotiate, maybe that's the type of thing that you would ask if you were, you know jay-z or whoever the fuck that's licensing music but we're like all right yeah you guys want to use this in a movie go ahead uh they had already licensed a lot of other stuff we're like if this movie blows up which we hadn't seen uh there were i mean i feel like dave matthews band and people like that were on the soundtrack like it was it was it, it felt like the right thing to do and then i'm like of course they picked too late i mean this song's such a banger like it was easily one of the best things on the record like listening for my own ear i was like this is a top you know, top three, top four song on the album. And for that, I was thinking it was because it was this crazy hot beat with like the really intricate sequencing. And then I had done this, I had rhymed completely different than every other song instead of realizing it was just going to play for like nine seconds and, and be portrayed as some, some like three, six mafia track. Why are you listening to King Sweet again, honey? <laughs> King Sweet. Oh. Is that out there anywhere? I, I still have yet to see this. Uh, I bought it on Amazon. I'm not lying. For uh, I want to say I either paid 98 cents or a dollar 98. For okay, DVD. okay. I thought you were yeah. going to say dollars for a second there. No. Uh, yeah, I got to uh, see that because it's been talked about many times. King Sweet. I have a copy of it. I guess. You know. Okay. We had gone up there. I think it was when we were doing the on the download release. Okay. Uh, was right around when it came out or recording, and so Jason and I were doing this EP, and we recorded the whole thing in one day. So it was a little bit exhaustive where I think it was five tracks and uh, he had pre-sequenced a lot of the beats and stuff like that. And I had come up, it was when you were living in Philly, I was living in Maryland. Mm-hmm. I came up, recorded, you, you can imagine, I mean, you do five songs, take a couple breaks. There's probably like an eight hour day, nine hour day. Damn. And then we sit down to watch this movie. And I mean, it was at like minute 75 of a 90 minute movie when it finally came in and like you said there are all these segues happening we're like oh this would actually be a pretty good place for it to come in i mean i feel like there's like a people under the stairs song and like, <laughs> that's actually that's that's a good look though you know i mean i think we're, we're in the credits i mean i do know that yeah where you are in the credits yeah it's dope so is it listed it's listed as resonation or head resonators i don't know did you guys get a check from it I want to say we got like fifty bucks or something. It was two, hey, it was fifty two, bucks ain't bad. It was two hundred dollars. Oh, really? It was okay. Yeah. All right, Chuck's getting 100, the checks. 100 each. Wow. There you go. Pop 
popping. That's awesome. That's crazy. Pop I'm hoping I didn't. This is would not have been my style, but I'm hoping I wasn't like he thinks it's fifty because I gave him like twenty five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't have been my style. Though. Speaking so of I, which, I really <laughs> I can, I, how long has that been, Owen? It's been 10, 12 years. Easily. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I it mean, was one of those things where I I told my mom that it had happened, mm-hmm. and she went a different direction with it. Where I was like, "Oh, this movie, you know, licensed the song of ours is pretty cool." And she like writes back on email a couple of days later. She's like, "I had no idea about like the pains of Marfan syndrome," yeah, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, I have no idea what the movie's about. <laughs> they just license this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, we knew that Dewey was in it, and uh, I guess Mar- <laughs> what's her name, Margot Martindale, is that she's like an actress. She's yeah, a- the woman from Million Dollar Baby, right? She's the okay, the, the mom from everything. Um, I know she was in like Sons of Anarchy, and she's been in everything. She's just a mom. Yeah, she's a mom. We're mm-hmm. looking for a mom. Get her Get on the Marvel phone. Get her. Mm-hmm. What was the youngest kid's? No, who was Malcolm on Malcolm in the Middle? Freddie Munez or whatever. His name yeah, was. Frankie Munez. Mm-hmm. <sighs> My guy's on point right there. When I was in Phoenix. Uh, I w- we were at like this farmer's market. Oh, God, my my whiteness is just screaming, screaming through the speakers market. right now. Buying so I was, I was in Phoenix for the weekend, and after having a cold brew, I decided to walk around the <laughs> farmer's market, and I was tasting balsamic vinegar and <laughs> olive oil, and it was all made by Frankie Munez. Of course it was. <laughs> and it was slamming. I've always embraced my whiteness, but that was the whitest statement I've ever made in my entire life. Here we are. All right. So moving on, I want to talk about one thing in particular. 10 years later, I think is the most slept on compilation that anyone's ever put together. That was made by J bomb beat, which was, acapellas from 1995 that were remade. I know Cam One is with me on this too and will be very happy if he's listening to this that I brought it up. Uh, so it was acapellas from 1995, beats from uh, 2005, hence the 10 years later. And I even remember this moment where I feel like hiphopsite.com like gave it a, they gave it a sniff. Like they gave it, they didn't do a full line, they did a bump. Uh, and we're thinking of of moving with it, and, and that might have even been Henley's doing. I can't remember exactly how it all came about, but it didn't move from there. And then, did you at a certain point? Was that 2015? No, was it? You were going to do another. You were going to revisit the same idea, right? I'm working. I'm still. Uh, I'm in the process of working on it now. From songs from um, 1994, last year I started in. 2019 i started working on 25 years later oh and i just haven't finished it because you know life unfortunately but um it's really dope the people that i've heard i think are are very happy with it they think it sounds great um i'm i mean i'm almost there i just have to get some time to sit down and and do it i probably have seven or eight or nine or ten tracks done just figuring out like 10 years later i did as a mixtape you know, I took those, I, I made beats for it. I, those were all, at that time, those were all new beats for those. Like, I don't think I retrofitted any acapella to any beat. I'm pretty sure I made those beats as I went. Mm. And then um, I was using uh, CDJs at that time. So I burnt those down. And so I had CDs of it and was just, um, you know, the final recording was DJ style. And I brought in Chuck and I brought in Cole. And I think I brought in Ted. Wasn't Ted on it? 
I think Ted was on it, wasn't it? I think Ted was on it, yeah. Yeah, so I brought in brought in some some of my favorites to come in and, and do some interlude raps. And it was pretty dope. I thought it was pretty I, dope. I remember the one that Cole was on was so dope that you guys were doing it at shows. Well, like I, as an intro that, to something. Well, at least it was that beat, because it was the beat that uh God I can hear it in my head, but I'm trying to remember what song happened after that. It was uh the Lords of the Underground. Yeah, yeah. Right? Know, yeah, what I'm after. Mm. Yeah, it was the what I'm after. There you go. He, uh, I mean, but those were the lyrics from um, one of the songs. That was an educated song. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, but you would use that and then go into the lyrics yeah, of the song. Uh, yeah, his lyrics, and I think I'm sure that he didn't love it at the time, but I remember I pushed for it because I thought it sounded really dope on that track. I was like, just do this. <laughs> I mean, just like you know, just like you were like, no, no. If, if you're gonna give me this 16 bars, I want to kick this. That you know, I want to kick something. I'm not gonna kick somewhere else. Right. Um, but I was like, no, this is dope. So, um. I think I had a unique verse on that because I can kind of hear it was like face the fact to fit the agenda when I do yeah I remember you had a dope beat on it. I li- I really like that beat a lot um I don't even know I don't think this is anywhere online I think I have one of the I have one to pass it like available on YouTube um, which was the D and D All Star song where uh, there was about five or six MCs on it guys that that recorded at D and D and then because it was tracks from 1995. I decided that uh, I had a theme for that song and it was beats from the group home album. Mm. So I remade all the beats from the group home album and put them behind, you know, Mad Lion and Karis one and J rule and Smith and Wesson. Wow. um, Yeah. That I think is available on YouTube. Steve, if you never heard this, it's fire. I definitely, you definitely played it for me, Chuck. Yeah. I feel like that would be something I would would dig up. It was like one thirty. At your apartment, you're like, all right, Yo. is, we're now, this is what we're listening to now. Yeah. So Check for, this uh, out. For the new sure. one, I have the same thing again for the new one. Okay. I'll just say I used the Crooklyn track, and I'm not going to tell you what album from 1994 that I redid tracks for and put it underneath all the verses. But huh. I, I mean, I think if if you think about the best hip hop albums production wise from that year, I don't think it's going to be that tough to, to come up with the one that I did. Huh. Um, yeah. Illmatic. No, when did Illmatic drop? Is that is that my close? <laughs> I mean, that's a big one. That's ninety four. Edit that one out. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I got it, and I got Elzai to rhyme on him. Yeah, that's that that album is dope. I love that album of his. I think we all do. Yeah. Is that on Spotify, or yeah. did they have like a licensing issue with it? No, oh, it is. It's on Spotify. I know that what I'm listening tomorrow morning. So that that album is incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm like, at one point in time, I think I was like. This is actually better than Nomadic. <laughs> I could El, see that. Nomadic was actually, I liked it more than Nomadic at one point in time. So, I mean, that album is so dope with the with the band. Yeah. It's funny because I know Chuck knows this about me that uh, the Roots, like I love the Roots mm. out live, but I don't think that as a the recorded material as a band is like all that exciting. <sighs> Uh, but I feel like that Elzai album and then that that Adrian Young uh, Ghost Faced album, like it's a live band, like it's so dope, like. Mm. Certain people do know how to capture the live band format. Mm. Avid gamblers, yeah. avid gamblers, of course. Um, I was just looking the, yeah, the most listened to Elzai song on Spotify is "It Ain't Hard to Tell," right. off of that with one one point three million listens, and then wow, good for two sixteens is is a distant second with five hundred eighty thousand. I mean, I'm a big fan, obviously, so. He's definitely he one of the more slept on people. He like does it's, not slip. it's crazy. He doesn't have a whack verse. I have yet to hear a whack Elzai verse. I don't know. 
Who does like the Kermit voice on uh is it on Fall in Love? Is that who does that? Oh that's, that's Dilla, isn't it? No, that's um uh T three, I think. I don't know. I just always found it interesting. Yeah, that's not that's not Elza. That's not Dilla though. Ladies loving my music is like some sex shit. No, I don't I think that's uh I thought that was T three. I don't know. I okay. have no idea. It's all good. Mm-hmm. They were just taken after uh, Wyclef. Wyclef would always have these moments in verses where he would just go. It's like I would do a Louis Armstrong real quick. He got a. I mean, they, he always got over with style, you know. He True. Had personality on the track. He had personality. Both him and Praz, I think, got over with like style over lyrics. You know. I'm convinced Praz had like. He was like the lone person out of the three with the driver's license or something. And he was just like, He's he like, was, these guys owe me money. So I get to be on the score. <laughs> he was nice enough to hold his own, but he was behind like two people that had these gigantic trajectories. And yeah. he was on Ghetto Superstar. And that was kind of the end of it. Shout outs <laughs> to him for getting on that record, right? Who was that? That was him, ODB, and what's the girl's name that's on that? Maya, name? maybe? Like Maya, yeah. Was it Maya? So weird. I don't so know. Weird. Yeah, that was um I was getting checked out of like mainstream rap pretty heavily at that time. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've discussed this before. The the where hip hop changed for me is mm-hmm. uh, when If I Ruled the World came out. How I mean it just that that changed the the trajectory of everything. It didn't feel right. No, and it really, I mean, it's, you know, again, I'll come from the, the, the old man get off. Like it kind of it ruined hip hop. It hmm. Nas, Nas put out Illmatic. It was a great album. He didn't make the money from it that he should have. He made this record and it's exactly what, what it was the record shiny. Companies wanted. Yeah. Yeah. It was shiny. It was yeah. what the record companies I, wanted and it, it just blew up like crazy. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing artistic. I'm sorry. There's nothing artistic about it. It's a formula that, that I'm just, it's too bad. Yeah, I mean, it was that time when Trackmasters, I was like, these guys are the Antichrist, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the two songs on that album that were really tough were like once you got the record, because there's a lot of good stuff on there. Oh, the one is, with the cool Keith uh, intro was fire. It's Street Dreams. Oh, yeah. Street and Dreams If tough. I Ruled the World. And Street those were the two singles, tough. too. It was tough. Oh, the Dre one was tough for me, too. Oh, Nas is coming. Yeah, I that was, was like, this awesome. song is terrible, you know? I mean, that that whole album, from Illmatic until Nas is like, is just all... No, because that primo, like, uh, uh, I Gave You Power he is had flashes. ridiculous. There were flashes. We can't we can't just throw it all out. I can. You guys. Okay, that's fine. But I what was can. the you're, song? It's like, I made it like that. I bought it like that. I'm living mm-hmm. like that. I thought that shit was you, I thought that shit was one hard. mic or whatever. Like you know, you hear it in the right place, you might be like, "Oh, okay." Like I'll listen to this right now. But you know, it, uh, affirmative action was nice too. Come on, there's there's some stuff on there. Yeah, just not for me. Nas is fucking fantastic, but yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> I love it. I love. Yeah. I love it. Hardline purist. I feel it. Yeah. I mean, so Nas can be credited with two things. One is the creation of the formula of needing to get the hot singer on the song and create the single. I mean, he came up with the super producer formula. That's the other one I was oh, going to okay, say, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. But then never that... went back to it. Mm. Oh, that's an excellent point. Uh, I mean, were, were any of those guys, uh, I'm sorry. I mean, I love all those producers. Were any of those guys super producers at the time? Like, yes. Yeah, I, I think so. Know. 
Pete Rock had was doing remixes heavy at that time. Right. Premiere Premiere was this is ninety three. Yeah, I feel like Premiere already had a name. Large Professor had Breaking Adams. I mean, like it's a for us, yes. I mean, like the, for hip hop, sure, sure. For hardcore hip hop people, yeah, like those. But Q-tip. for for the regular, for you know, the commercial radio, I guess. The, yeah. Those, you know. Again, I guess he could have had like Teddy Riley. That's why they didn't go back. I mean, that's why he didn't go back because again, the money became uh, yo, like you got to do this now. You got to make money with this. Right. <laughs> I wonder where that album is today. It's probably like I bet that album's multi platinum. I would hope so. After all this time, sure. Yeah, I would hope so. Mm-hmm. So, what year did you start making beats? Sorry to get. Let's get into the the, the interview here. Making beats. Two hours. Uh, okay. What? T- how about making music in general? I mean, I definitely started DJing in um, ninety one. Ninety one. Okay. Yeah, like. Uh, oh, it, it it may have been it may be late late ninety one early ninety two. I remember I went to the first DJ uh, name. Uh, Red Sun. Red Sun. <laughs> I yeah, knew it was something uh, good. Oh yeah, Red Sun. That's definitely. dope. I um, I mean, for DJ, you know, actually, when I go back before that, actually, a friend of mine had the Roland SK One keyboard, which was a, a little commercialized keyboard. There was a TV commercial for it with a kid and his dog, and he sampled his dog barking and like, you know, played it on the keys. And a friend of mine gave me those. Uh, gave me that and then i had two tape decks one with the high speed dub and one a single and i definitely was making cassette beats but then i got into djing i I really loved hip-hop i wanted to dj and i went to the dc armory and i bought for an electronic show and i bought you know some two like uh gemini turntables and a mixer and just went crazy and you know just my first thing was just buying hip-hop records like every tuesday i was at tower or the Wiz or whatever was around and just buying Kent Mill records, waxy max. He's just buying records. So you're, and, you're a Maryland cat originally. Yes. Okay. Always. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in, in Montgomery County. Okay. And, um, yeah, man, it was, it was, it was great. I started working at tower. I got, I got a job at tower records on my 21st birthday and mm. that made it even better. Cause those records that came out on Tuesday, we'd get in on Friday. You're talking and, about the Rockville one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice yeah. man. I used to go to that. I used to go to that Tower Records in Rockville every Tuesday, man. Myself, I um, I was security. I was store security, so we didn't actually stay in one. I was in Rockville, but we would uh, travel around to the other stores in the region often. Wow! Uh, I started at the original Tower one at Congressional before it went when it was um, on the other side of the shopping center, not in the upstairs location. Yeah, not in the upstairs. I was there when we moved to the upstairs location. (sighs) A beautiful location, though. Seriously, that was a beautiful record store. What is there now? Uh, shit. Um, like the container store or something, maybe like something weird. Something like that. Yeah. Floor. That was the first floor. Okay. That was the first floor. Um, the, the Heath and Hearth or whatever. The- yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, cause that's the reason I would go to that shopping center. Right. Yeah. So I, I was, uh, you know, just every Tuesday buying records and, um, Oof. just like, just going crazy, you know, just, just DJing and DJing and DJing. And then just knew I needed to get, you know, after a little while, I knew I needed to get better turntables. So I got 1200s mm. and just DJing and DJing and mm. doing house parties is where I met Ted has a TK has a story about meeting. I met him at a party, a house party in Wheaton. Mm. And, um, 
You had gold fronts in at this time or no? Uh, no, I didn't have the fronts at that time, but I was playing I was playing Curious George. I was playing Curious yeah. uh, when he walked into the party, and he was like, dude, I've never, ever heard anyone ever play this stuff at a, at a party. So. You're playing Walk Like a Duck 12 inches? <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure I was playing Walk Like a Duck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that was the first single, right? the Uptown I mean, hit or whatever the fuck that yeah. was. Yeah, it might have been. It might have been Uptown hit. It was definitely something off that album. That's a great album. That's a great album. Or Speed Nuts. Um, and uh, you know, got twelve hundred started DJing. It's funny at Tower Records in DC. I met a dude who was throwing a party at State of the Union on U Street, mm. and we're talking like ninety four. And U Street in DC wasn't anything like it is now. You know, yeah, 94, 95 is definitely, you know, that's crack era. That was not a great area. Um, I would, but it was, you could see that people want to change to happen. Republic Gardens wasn't opened yet. Coffee House not open. Where yeah. was, uh, yeah, that was Coffee House. Where was the, the thing that was on Thursday nights? I guess it was there. Go on. Uh, so he had a Tuesday or Wednesday night thing. And um, this guy at Tower, working at Tower in DC, and I, I popped in and did a like couple of hour sets for a couple of weeks in a row. And then the guy who ran the bar, this guy Stewart, came up to me and was like, "Yo, like, do you want to DJ Saturday nights?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, this is awesome." So, I, uh, you know, I started doing Saturday nights. I, you know, there there'd be ads in the city paper about wow. you know, with it, and it, it was great. Like, this is fantastic. And um, still, Red Sun. No, I think uh, they had me. I hadn't really come up with the name. I think they had as me. They had me as DJ Jason Acid Jazz, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because uh, they liked my DJ, but they really wanted me to. They didn't want me to play hip hop, hip hop. They wanted me to play as much instrumental. Acid Jazz, that was a thing. I forgot about that. Yeah. So you know, I mean, there was definitely you know, I I probably did that for I don't know, maybe like three months or so, and you know, I remember the first couple of weeks being like really bad, like. You know the crowd that was coming and be like, "Yo, is this all you're gonna play all night?" Be like, "Yeah, like this." I was hired to play this, and at one point near the end, Stewart, the uh, the manager, was like, "Dude, or he might even own her. Like, we will buy you the records uh, if you play if you play them." And I was like, "Nah, like I'm cool. Like if 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 you want something different, like you know, again, just like I'm hardcore about Nas. Like I'm hardcore about hip hop. I bought records. I didn't buy records to DJ. I bought records because I loved them. Yeah, like they, they were for me. And if other people loved them, like." then fantastic that's great but I'm, I'm not buying records to dj like that seems they wanted you to play like here good. we'll give you these acid jazz records yeah like i, I remember in particular he was like mm. yo like madonna had a new song i was like you know we'll we'll buy you this madonna record you can play it and i was like nah like i'm cool dude like it, it's okay we don't have to keep doing this <laughs> um but the crowd you could see the crowd ch- starting to change over i mean when i first got there it was kind of a, a scuzzy crowd and then it became like this weird like white college crowd and then it got into a hip-hop crowd um they found so you I guess, I guess they didn't like it so i stopped doing that and uh right around that time you know uh that's you know i would sit, uh see like oh so fresh oh so fresh with djing a lot around town at that point um He's the only dude I can think of that's still around that was really doing it. He's, he's still doing in it in that part of town. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's a dope DJ. Dope, dope DJ. Um and at some point right around the ending of, of State of the State of the Union and um you know, I left Tower Records and got another job. I really was just like, you know what, like I love the hip hop, I love the new hip hop, but I want I want to know what's going into making these records. I want to do that part of it. And mm. then I just started digging. And then instead of being Tuesdays at a record store, it was every day. Because you know, you the the way you're digging, like it doesn't matter what day of the week it is, there's new records hit the floor every single day. 
Um, so, you know, hit all the stores, you know, hit all the stores. You, you know, I, I got to say a shout out to uh, and, and rest in peace to um, Sam the Man, you know, who passed away. DC DJ Staple uh, House, he r- helped run uh, 12-inch dance records in DuPont Circle, which became DJ Hut. And I, I guess I just read he passed away last week. So yeah, rest, rest in peace. Rest in peace. 12-inch dance records was a dope record store back in the day for hip-hop stuff as well. Um you know, they would definitely get European imports in there of hip hop stuff, P Rock and Seal Smooth or whatever, just like different mixes of things. And I mean, not only the regular releases, but such a great store that definitely in today's age doesn't exist whatsoever. Yeah. Um, Do you remember like the best records you got out of that store? No. Okay. I mean, I just, you know, I don't remember the best. I do remember in the digging because I was definitely going there as I started to make this transition into digging. Mm. And I knew about something called substitution that, you know, people were sampling. <laughs> okay. And I got one of these break records, like the Simon Harris break record. Sure. And it had substitution. And I was like, oh, this is great. And I got it home. And I, w- I wanted it just to be the substitution drum loop, yeah. like looped up for three minutes. Yeah. But it was the actual original song. And I remember sure. feeling bummed out about it at the time. Like, <laughs> oh, man, I just wanted the drum. Because <laughs> he started doing it. <laughs> yeah, that song and changes then, pretty quickly. Yeah, and then, like, later on, it was like, oh, like, I'm glad I have this whole song. Like, this is dope. That's awesome. Um, but, yeah, just got in. So it became every day, again, hitting Joe's, hitting Phantasmagoria, yeah. hitting... Um, just so many different stores i was working in dupont circle at the time also Mm. so you know hitting some of the stores around there um you know in dc there was a very small but dedicated group of guys doing it like that there wasn't that many people that was doing it like that but there there was there was cool northern virginia uh i I didn't mess with too many people from northern virginia i I just didn't know i didn't come across them i didn't run into them you know here and there i'd come meet some dudes but um you know, it was just, it was great, man. It was a lot of fun. Definitely was a lot of fun. What's your collection like now? Have you thinned out, or you still have this, yeah, yeah, all yeah, the I same records? I mean, I've definitely thinned out. You a did. Lot. Okay. When, when I moved to when I moved to uh, the, <laughs> the Pennsylvania what? area from, uh, <laughs> you know why I'm laughing is the move the move to PA. Yeah, the move to PA. I had like fifteen thousand records, and I, oh. I literally I had to have a one truck just for records. Whoa! Because we loaded it up and started to move, and we're like, "Yo, like I'm pulling a wheelie on this truck. Like I'm not gonna make it to to Pennsylvania like this." So we started pulling things out of the truck. I remember I left because I was just helping you load up on one side. Yeah, it sucked. And I had driven off, and then I talked to you the next day, and you're like, "Dude, we spent." the next couple hours unloading records because we couldn't even drive the truck. I was like, yeah, holy shit. So you so, pulled records and just like, you're like, I'm going to leave these here. No, I'll come back for them. So that's it. I oh, mean, they're it still there. Like, okay. I got no, you. no, no. It wasn't like, you got to get out of here. It was like, I'll just have to make two trips. That's all. So, okay. You know, I made two trips. Um, you know, I'm down to, I don't know, a couple thousand records, 3000 records, something like that. I mean, I've, I recorded a ton of them. I ripped a lot of them. I mean, I have, yeah. I have them either digitally on CDs or I have them in my iTunes. Wow. Um, you know, I sold a lot. I, you know, I sold a lot of them. I'm okay with, I'm okay with selling almost all of them. Almost all of them. I'm okay with. So there's some that I'm like, Oh man, why'd I get rid of that? Yeah. Um, when I see, you know, in today's commercialism, you watch TV, like how many com- TV commercials do you see people have records in the background? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. A so lot. many. And that, that's when I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had records. Yeah. 3,000 is still a lot of records. Who's that? 3,000 is still a lot of oh, records. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's whatever. But if you have 15, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I used to, it used to be like a record store, like library, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I go on Instagram and be like guys who've been like, you know, I picked up these and it was all like, you know, just regular like shelf stock records. Sure. 
And it's like, oh yeah, I used to have that. 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 And I'm okay with not having that most of the time, but there's just a part of me inside that, you know, it's like, oh, I want every record ever. But <laughs> I have the music though. So I'm okay. Yeah. Like, I, I have the music for it. So there's really nothing lost. It's just that <laughs> weird, like hoarding mentality, I guess. Right. I'm like that with Jordans now. So I've went from records to Jordans. Like I got to get those Jordans. Like I have Jordans I'm never worn. Like how many pairs of Jordans do you have? Over oh, that, was, that was quite a groan. Is that over a hundred? <laughs> no, no, no. 50? I mean, if, if if Chuck knows, like I used to wear Chucks like crazy. Chuck Taylor. I was gonna say I didn't even know you had. Yeah, like I used to wear Chuck transitioned Taylor's out of the converts. Uh, but you know, as you get older, the Chuck Taylors aren't as good for you. And, yeah. You know, walking walking twenty five thousand steps a day on concrete floors with Chucks isn't great. So I probably have like thirty five. That's a lot of, of Jordans. Chucks. Yeah. No Chucks. Oh, Chucks. And okay. Then, uh, Jordans. I don't know. I'm probably in the well, I'm probably in the 10 to 15 range, but again, I have three that I've just got a new pair. Like I've, I've never worn them in the box. Like two of them that I probably not, I've, I like, I don't know if I'll ever wear them. We'll see. Got you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay. Is there anything when, else that I do like that? I don't know. I don't think there's anything else. I really well, like. I, I want to go back to like the cataloging where I remember uh this kind of goes to something you were saying earlier about oh i knew the song name but i didn't know who the artist was was that there would be records where they were really well known for how the drum started at the beginning like a substitution and the one that comes to mind is uh get out my life woman yep where you would burn me a cd but there would be things that were all from records where you'd be like here's 12 versions of get out my life woman (laughs) you know covered from like jazz acid jazz reggae rock versions of the song uh and they all had the the sick drum break at the beginning i've got like 30 i guess different versions right now but there's still so many more that mm. you know i i used to work with the guy who would find new he uh <laughs> he like was was keyed into like this russian downloading site and he would just be like <laughs> as he found new versions he would just burn it for him and be like here you know, check this out steve are you live on music over there can you can you play a version of Get Out My Life Woman? Of course. I mean, the Joe Williams version is so much different than all the other versions because it's really jazzy, but it's really funky. And There's uh, got to be a playlist, right? I mean, the Lee Dorsey version is... you know, is, The Lee Dorsey, I think, is the one that's looped up for the atmosphere uh, on Seven's Travels. Oh, here's a new one. I don't think... It, hold on. Or on the Seven mixtape. Sorry. Headshot Seven. I get my Seven. Oh, here's a new one. The Derek Trucks Band. Yeah, yeah, I have that. You have that one? Okay, I want to hear this one because I've never, I don't think I've heard this one. Live, let's get some more of the Paul Butterfield style. Eh, that's all right. This drums sound good, but you're just not getting any open drums. Yeah, that's the lead door, Steve. Get on the the fireballs. You don't what is this one? Not. The Wood Brothers. Can you find the you have the Alan Tufan version? Yeah, that's a good that's a that's a good one. Hold up. That one always has like a, I always think of like a dilated people's kind of sound. You said Alan Tucson? Yep. Here you go. Oh, this is a No, that's a live one. Hold that's up, there we go. One. This one. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Bill Cosby, the Bill Cosby one. Get out my life, woman. 
This is a re-recording. He was probably like, I need to get my master's back. So let Wait, me who is this? Bill Cosby has a That's get out of my life for me? Yes. Freddie King, hold up. I like that Don't guitar go. in the background. Hold up. One, two, three, seven. Here's Bill Cosby. D- this one's actually... <laughs> Get out my life, woman. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get out of my life, woman. Because you see. <laughs> and the soul or, or the, the new apocalypse is a pretty dope version as well. Yeah. Yeah, this so p- somebody okay, so this I'm looking at like a over a hundred songs right here. Okay. Yeah. Solomon Burke, this is the one I used to fuck with. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, so. Yeah, those are the uh, at least a pair of the dirty drums at the beginning. You done hurt me. Broke my. <laughs> it's a great song. Mm-hmm. You done hurt me. Um. So yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I love that song because again, it's got drums. I love boom bap drums, man. Just love the boom bap drums. That's a song that you check for because it seems like people use boom bap drums for that. Boom In your drums. mind, what is it? Let's. Simplify this. What's a boom bap drum to you? Like that Lee Dorsey "Get Out My Life Woman," which you know it's like uh, Bismarckies. You got what I need. Like or just a friend. You know, like that's a boom bap drum. Is it? Is it like if we go like one, two, three, four? Like is it like boom, boom, doom, doom, Like that. That can be it. Yeah. Or boom, 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 boom. Gotcha. I mean, you know, it's funny because. I'm, I really think that like Madism is like a perfect example of like what what mm. to me what boom bap is. Wow, that's a hard yeah. ass fucking beat actually. That, uh, I haven't heard that song in years, so. I mean, that beat is, that's give me beat. give me five seconds so we don't get it's to like, see. Oh, I like that it, yeah. it hits with the. Oh. I know you're digging this type of shit right. Yeah. I know you're digging this type of shit right. Boom. 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 That certain way. By the way, that song uh, came out in 1994, if that helps anybody. Hey. That song used to knock in my bootleg system that was in the trunk of my Ford Tempo (laughs) with the the 212s. That shit used to knock. uh, Oh, man, what did you have? Acura, what'd you have before the Acura? What was the other? Ne- oh, Nissan, Nissan Altima. Yeah, the Altima. Yes, the, the black Altima. Yes. Oh, reprogram was the other one off that album, right? Reprogram. Reprogram was the other one that I used to bang. That was the second single. Was yeah. it really? Yeah. Wow. The uh, there's a remix to Madism, like a vocal remix huh. um, as well. There's a remix and a vocal remix. Um, and uh, that's I feel awesome. I had one of the records I have not gotten rid of that I've kept the whole time is a is a test pressing of that uh, twelve cool. inch. So it's got Madism, yeah. The instrumental, the acapella, the remix, the remix acapella, and the vocal remix and the vocal mm. remix acapella. Mm. It's pretty dope. And it's funny those guys. Unfortunately, I mean, as good as that song is, like, yeah, it's pretty much a one hit wonder. I always like equate them to Dead Prez for some reason. Like in my mind, that's like. Them and Dead Prez are in the same lane for me. 
don't know. I, I don't know too much about Dead Prez. I mean, other than hip hop, right? I mean, I think if you're if you're just talking about, I don't know, that had a tremendously popular song based on how fire the beat was, I could see putting them in the same bucket. Definitely different approach as writers. It's a duo, right? And it's a duo. Okay, you're getting. They're very like, I I don't know, pro black militant. Is Channel Live pro black militant? They're about weed. I don't know. Maybe I thought that was. I thought they were like the East Coast Cypress Hill. Just like, yo, this song is about smoking weed. Nothing <laughs> else. I mean, I uh, kind of think of more of like DOS effects, but just like okay. without okay. person. All right. I can dig it. Without the, the catchy hook of of uh rum stickity bum stickity bum. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can only imagine DOS effects coming out doing the bum stickity bum, trying to grow as artists after that shit blew up and how hard it must have been to do straight up suicide and hold it down. Right. Yeah. Like, can we get a chiggity in like the first eight bars of this? Like, I, I think that verse was fire. Mm. But if you're like, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we can't forget. Hold it down is. I feel like hold it down is actually a really good record. Super strong that, record that people don't often go back to. Yeah. There's a microphone masters remix with uh, Mob Deep that's out there somewhere that's yeah. super fire. There's a lot of good shit on there. A lot of good stuff. Isn't a lot of nice collabo tracks. Isn't that the, isn't it called Back in Effect the second album? That's on well, that's on Straight Up Suicide, but yeah, that's the that's the main song with the vocal sample. Uh, that first album, though, like it's crazy. When I I went back not that long ago, and like you know the the vocal catch of the iggity biggity or whatever, like those are some dope songs on there. Really, really dope. Songs on there. They went and platinum like, off that record. I can see it. Yeah, that record went platinum. All right, let me see how many I can name because I love that record. So there was. Let's Mike, do, this, do the micro, singles. Yeah. Microphone yeah. Checker, I think, was track one. I think Just Some Men was track two. They Won Effects was track three. I remember it because the tape, and I was super more into the A side. Lucy's might have been track four. And then I'm running out, but I feel like five was another banger. Like it might have been whatever the second single was. I feel like Jason's looking it you up. Did, you're doing pretty good. Dum Dums? Yeah. Dumb-dums. Oh, the Dum Dums was fire too. East Coast. Yeah, if who's on East Coast? There's another rapper on that. K Solo, I think so. Yeah. Pretty good though, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't remember shit after that though. B side didn't get as much burn as way. Like that, y'all. You don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you got your East Coast bias from. There you go. It's, uh, Skull snaps that drum, of course. Yeah, it's like that's like a staple of that time period. Yeah. That drum. They probably yeah. sampled that twice on this record. You know. Probably three times. Right? <laughs> right? It's all over it. Uh-huh. Now I'm going to show you how the East Coast rock. Give me the song list on the B side. Give me the second half. If only. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn to T-neck. Mm-hmm. Clap your hands. Mm-hmm. Straight out the sewer. I stink. I stink. I stink like manure. <laughs> That's 1992, though. Brooklyn to T-neck. <laughs> By the way, I'm just going to tell you, it was a very different late night ride. From Brooklyn, from Brooklyn to T-neck than it is now. Right. Uh, you know, like the youngsters came out at that time also. Yeah. It's got a, that similar kind of... Super uh, hard. Yeah, super similar vibe with the skull snaps being on like every other song. Pretty dope, though. I mean, I mean you know, that was formulaic to a certain extent. It yeah. was a good formula, but it was formulaic. I mean, they, they definitely were riding off the, the mob deep. Yeah. Uh, 
train once Mob Deep put out Shook Ones and became stars. Yeah. Um. All right. How you put out some records this year? Let's talk about them. I got, uh, I guess one's out on all your streaming devices now, the E-Crew tape. It's just instrumental tracks uh, that were released from in between, what, 2002 and 2012. Dope. Um, uh, Cam and I, are, I think, I believe we're pretty close to finishing up the next release, which is uh, the instrumentals from the Head Resonator's second album. Okay. Uh, which originally was called the resignate the resignation of resonation, but I have renamed it the X's. Okay. Uh, when you see the artwork, you'll understand it. Okay. And then, um, yeah, I mean this. So those will be on all the the streaming devices. The the what's your favorite two beats off the resignation of resignation? And then I'll give you mine. Hold on, let me look it up. But when you you're kind of revisiting these because I listen to the E Crew and they're like more kind of. I don't know if it's just a remastering, but I, I feel like there's a resequencing, and I mean, it definitely stays within the spirit of the beats. Uh, I think there's only I think there's only one track that there's a resequencing of, but I did really? okay. I did re-record the whole entire. All those tracks have been re-recorded mm. straight out the MPC again, uh, putting in, um, you know, doing originally again, getting into specifics. I used to do everything in mono because I recorded on onto a a tabletop desktop mm. um eight track recorder digital recorder and it was just easier to do everything in mono uh, but then at some point i was like you know what screw it being easy i know it's going to take twice as long for bounce now but i wanted to start doing everything in stereo so i started mixing everything in stereo and everything is in stereo for i believe for that uh, for the e-crew tape um i really like the beginning the intro of let it be known Oh yeah, so far. I really like that. Just and the intro? Like, Not I feel like the beats are banger. Yeah, I mean I really like the intro a lot. And I really like card puller a lot. Oh um, card puller is a banger. Yeah, card puller is a banger. Um I wanna learn Deafen Me. Those two are also there. I mean I think Dome Resonator is actually a pretty dope beat as well. Um I was listening to No Alibi uh on friday i think i even sent a text to steven i was like don't don't forget black thought's been the nicest forever <laughs> it, it came up and i was like oh yeah the sample from this yeah 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 he's uh but we flipped it backwards because he's like uh a shackle of thought tackled you while i'm educating and you don't resonating from inhalation of darkness is that right. the, the smart mm-hmm. shit from what you're waiting yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean i feel like he's one dude i, I really do feel that for me personally he's gotten better as like a hardcore roughneck MC as he's gotten older, like uh, it's incredible how good he is. Right he's now. in, he's incredibly good. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, almost I, funny when you go back to listen to it, that they're sharing the spotlight with like Malik B and yeah. dice raw yep. with right. him. Yep. Like just looking at the trajectory, of all of them, like at the yep. time, I never remember thinking, you know, this guy's head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's weird to even think like when we talk about duos, we never bring up the roots because in all of our minds, we're like, no, the roots is black thought. Yeah. But for at least three records, four records, I guess. It's That's primarily like, a duo. I know the, the roots are the band. Like I don't yeah. even, even differentiate him as as anything other than part of the band. I mean, that's just how I how I end up seeing it. But mm. you know, since I guess since two thousand nine when he did the reality TV joint, like uh, the, Oh, the Dilla joint? Like I feel like since then 
everything I hear him on where it's just him. Like, I mean, he kills that. And then what, five years later, the static selector bird's eye view just kills that and goes on funk flex and just kills that. And um, he did two static selector joints. Right? The second one's fire too. The one that starts with the, it's got Royce and yeah. I think Bronson. It is. Maybe? It, is. it is, but it's not as good as bird's eye view though. Like it's me, still like, nice though. Like yeah, I mean, I feel like, said, like uh, he's Who's your he's, top five, Jay Piggy Pock Nas. I ain't trying to hear another name if it's not mine. I mean, this is yeah, true. I mean, I and I, I agree <clears throat> with him on that. Like, I think you have to put him in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to put him in that conversation at this point. I feel like it was a fair shot at M too. Way too many people have Eminem like immediately in the top five. Right. I watched that Godzilla video last night. Why? <laughs> I, I like I like Eminem personally. I think he's he's amazing. I don't, I think M is like one of the greatest lyricists, but it's really tough to put him in the top five when like, I mean, both of you guys are DJs. Like, what song other than Drug Ballad can you play at a party? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I'm not. I can't dispute that point. I mean, his first one, right? I mean, you could play "Hi, My Name Is," but it's like, uh, it's, oh, it's, it's still, kind of cheeky. It's still, That's it's like, cheeky. Yeah, it's it's. It's a joke. That's like a joke record to me. You know? Yeah. Like, like um, drug ballad knocks. Like drug ballad is definitely a thing where people will will groove to it, even if they don't know it. They'll still be like, "Oh, this is this is cool." I mean, I mean when, I think my favorite is the uh, the Eight Mile, the Lose Yourself. Right? Yeah, you Lose Yourself. Called? Like I feel like that's it. Like I don't. I mean, again, I, I'm not unless Eminem is like actively dissing somebody. Mm. I, I've. I haven't been too interested in listening to him whine and, and complain on record. <laughs> Chuck got me on that Chris Chris Delia uh, tip. And oh now, my god! You you yeah. some way too many napkins. He's like I'm not <laughs> very good jock to cover my cock in the locker room. So good. It is so good. <laughs> it actually kind of paralyzed me for rhyming because I feel like I've been using the same cheat code of like things that don't really rap, rhyme, but just like syllables. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And it's like, <laughs> well, you got on the rooftop with a few shots and a few rocks. It's like, you know, it's like, no, that shit wrong. That was like, oh shit, I just got called out hard. I mean, definitely throughout your career that I know of, have been able to make words uh, rhyme without rhyming. Sure. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It's just one of the great skills that you have, I feel like. Oh, thank you. And then rhyming like Eminem. So, let's <laughs> <laughs> have a very. With a very deep voice, so no one's ever like, right. Why does it always sound like I'm rocking my nostrils? <laughs> well, you might have a deep voice now, but go back to listen to that first oh. album. <laughs> oh my god, it's painful. When I go back and listen to that, that shit is painful. Mm-hmm. I listen because I still think I think Dark Pianos is one of the best beats that you ever made for that era. Okay. And I go and listen to it and I'm like, what? Yeah, your voice is hey, it's super pseudoscientifical. <laughs> Is the writing and say, then the voice is so high the, the alfred hitchcock of hip-hop isn't it don't you have that on that track nice. no that was on the i think that was i think you had me scrub that from the two white boys mm-hmm. oh, okay yeah yeah i definitely did because of michael myers i definitely remember that. <laughs> michael myers was dope man for a hot second rasco i mean even though i was the east coast kid there were some west coast dudes that were rocking it that i, I really did like back then yeah i think i might be i think i might be facebook in. friends with michael myers that's the fucking weirdest thing I've ever heard. I deleted Facebook, dude. I, I can't. I mean, it's not that Smart. I, ha- I had Smart. people that were, uh, you know, posting things. It wasn't that. It's just like, dude, like they are completely okay with people putting falsehoods on their platform and just right. being like, yeah, we know it's fake. Who cares? Like my man Pete Rock, you know? 
the spreader of misinformation. <laughs> it's funny you would say that because I unfollowed Pete Rock on on Instagram because I was sick of seeing some of the things he, he posts. All, every fake news story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, like, and, Pete, you know, come Pete on, Rock man. Is great. He's like, like, you know, for me, like, I always feel like Premier is like the best beat maker mm, there was, mm, like beat maker, mm, but not producer. Mm. I feel like Pete Rock. Pete Rock, uh, Dre was the best producer, but Pete Rock is the best song maker. Like mm. he would, he would do things to that beat to make it a song mm-hmm. better than anybody else. Like do the chorus, but he's yeah, terrible at social media. Or, or uh, <laughs> what is it? World is yours. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sure. he didn't like large professors singing it. I guess. All right. <laughs> is that what happened? Yeah, large prof- Pete, Apparently, Pete Rock had to leave when they were recording, and when he came back, Pete Rock had sung. Or, um, a uh, large professor had sung the track and P-Rock, uh, from what I understand, what I remember, P-Rock then re-sang it over. Who sang Nah, yo? Huh. You know what? So have either of you guys watched uh, High Fidelity? Not yet. I started to watch it and fell asleep recently. I'm sure it's great. I mean, why wouldn't it be? I was very excited that the, I don't think this is P-Rock, but it's the, uh, version of me and my bitch like the one that was before they redid all the beats right, okay when i was on the big mac sampler mm. yeah exactly and then it just made me want to revisit the big album when people other than easy moby <laughs> were doing the beats on the front end i feel like pete had at least juicy and maybe one other one um, what did you have did he well premiere had unbelievable um what else is on there who did the one with Method Man? Who, who did the Machine Gun Funk? What? Oh, Machine Gun Funk is my favorite song. The original. That's a premiere beat, too? No. Or is that P-Rock? I think that might be Easy Mo B, dog. No, no, the original. You know that? Oh, you know machi- I know the... Words. I know. Yeah. He's like, I know, I know. I know. You think it's Easy Mo B with two different beats? Yeah. I do follow oh, Easy Mo B I, Dude, too. now, Easy Mo B, on the other hand, is probably one of the greatest follows on Instagram. <laughs> because he will give you the full history on things and you know he's not bullshitting. I'm a big I'm a big supporter. When he pulls out the the uh the sampler and hitting the button. Amazing dude. Like playing the fucking flavor in your ear shit. That blew my mind, dude. Yeah. It's right there. He's raw, dude. He 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 to me he's one of the most slept on. I agree with it. I agree. That guy's incredible. Followed him on the gram. Okay, machine gun funk is easy moby. Mm-hmm. Both versions? Give, me, give me the uh give me the og real quick give me like 10 right. seconds okay hold on i'm gonna look it up hold up <clears throat> talk amongst yourselves okay <laughs> so have you guys heard about this coronavirus no so it's uh business as usual on my end in fact i might have to wrap up i gotta be at a fucking meeting at 8 a.m Right, machine gun funk original. I'm version. just. Uh, I'm not even at work yet for the day, so. Uh, yeah, that's not the thing will be. No, this is the one on the album. That's one on the album. What a f- mm-hmm. that's a fucking incredible beat. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Did you guys ever get that Big Mac sampler? I remember I was working at Tower Records when it came out. I, I wish I had that. It, it was I, awesome. I wish I had mm-hmm. that. Yeah, the me and my bitch on there was fantastic. Wow. Um. Yeah. Sorry, Chuck. I, I'm I'm not finding it. What the fuck? All right, I'm so sorry. Um, we'll leave that one up for discussion. Any interest in this new Beastie Boys thing coming out? 
I didn't even know about it. What is it? I think it's on Apple. It'll be, it's going to be an IMAX. I guess it's a documentary of some kind. It'll be at IMAX theaters and then eventually it's going to be on like the Apple TV streaming thing. Really? I'm nice. excited for that because as Chuck may know, I feel like Paul's Boutique is one of the three best produced hip hop records of all time. It's real. When the 25th anniversary uh, edition came out, I cried because I was like, I can't believe it's been 25 years since that album came out. Did you ever hear the uh, interview that we did? No. With the, Paul's Boutique Historian? No, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, that was the early Chrome Mills interview. Very early. I was in. I was there in person, actually. What's his name? Uh, Dan Leroy. Oh, okay. Dan I used to work with the dude at Tower. I worked with the dude at Tower who his goal was to get every sample from that record. Yeah, so this I'm guy knew... Um, what's the guy's this name? Matt? Brothers or no? Yeah, he, no. He, yeah, he knew... He like interviewed one of the Dust Brothers extensively to okay. like write this book. And then we interviewed the author. So okay, yeah. What is that? You guys know that those little books? What are the little books? He wrote. I think he wrote that one. Okay, so I I read that in one evening. Like okay, was, yep. I was just completely enthralled by that. It was awesome. Yeah. What I are those? Up. What are those damn books called? Little book, little <laughs> the, album books. Yeah. There's like a name for them, like a mm-hmm. like a tester or like a bumper or some shit. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it's a, I didn't know. I'll have to go back. Is that still available everywhere? Has it been pulled down or what? Chuck? Uh, everything's on. I think so you can probably get it on SoundCloud. Yeah, I think you can on SoundCloud. The, uh, uh, the iTunes does this thing where they only hold the most recent 100 episodes. Uh, but SoundCloud has everything. If you ever want to go back in time and hear every Chrome Bill episode. Episode number 56, my man. Okay. Thank you. It was actually... 56? Yeah, uh, 56. Sorry, I'm not going to do interview inside of an interview. but um, <laughs> 33 and a third. That's what they are. 33, 33 and a third. third. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was early for us, like interviewing people. That was like the first interview that was, wasn't somebody we knew. Right, Chuck? Yeah, and it was also the first time that I had come down after I moved to New York, which okay. I guess goddamn, must have been mm. two and a half years after moving, which actually sounds about right. Yep. To do an episode, I think I'd come down and hung out for the weekend or whatever. Right. Cool. Dope. We've been doing this for a while. It's episode 167. Ayo, five years ago. Okay. Jason, I think you need to come back and then we'll, uh, I think we should get Cam on the same app. Okay. That'd be good. I want to go down memory lane. Okay. Let's do it. Let's. Do it. Let's remake. Wait, so you have to go to work after this episode. This no, is- no, no, no. If I, I mean, I, I'm off. But if I was, if I wasn't off, like I, I'm my shift right now. I work a midnight to nine a.m. shift. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. Which, uh, I actually really like hmm. uh, because you know the family's in bed. The only thing I, I wish I started a little earlier and got off a little earlier. Uh, by the time I get off work and come home, like, you know, the the wife's had to take care of the kids to get them where they need to go. Right. Um, you know, I try to go to sleep after that and then go pick them up at the end of the day. And yeah, it's it's definitely different, uh, but I'm really enjoying it. It's a whole different life. And people out there, if you're not enjoying your life, make some changes. Do it. Just do it. Respect. Mm-hmm. Good advice. I don't think I'm enjoying my life, Jason. <laughs> well, make the changes, dude. Figure out what it is you want to do and do it. <laughs> like, get a mic stand. How about that? I have yeah. one. I have one. This just keeps me, it keeps me more interactive, you know? Okay. No, what he's really saying is it keeps the hand gestures to a minimum because at least one hand is locked in. I like to pretend I'm Chuck, you know. This is me on the mic. Um, cool, cool. 
All right. Thanks. We'll Thanks again. for taking so, the time. Uh, check all your streaming platforms. J Bomb Beat. Yeah. J Bomb Beat. J dot Bomb dot Beat. What we did not do is we have not played a Chrome Bills remix yet. Oh, oh please yeah. let's go out on this. This shit is fire. Give me the uh going in. Going in, please. Yeah, I thought we were gonna open.
I'm I'm gonna drop off because I've got to get up in fucking six hours, which is fun. Uh, but Jay, thank you for doing yeah, this. Definitely, bro. Thank Time you. flew by. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Steve yeah, will. It's not my fault. Steve will do some master mixing. Nice. Thank you. All right, we'll do it again. We'll bring Cam in and do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, because yeah, I think he's he's just doing the finishing of the uh of the the X's album right now. So. Well, let's do it. We'll do another one right before you drop it. I mean, even if that's in a month or whatever. All right, cool, man. Cool. I'll talk to you guys later. Peace, cool. Jason. All right, guys. Thanks, Peace. man. Thank you. Thanks again. Okay. Peace.